This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. I'm Congressman Tim Burchett and welcome back to another episode of Tennessee Talks. Today I'm completely thrilled that I have my buddy Dr. Marianne Wanamaker here with me. And Dr. Wanamaker is an Associate Professor of Economics at the University of Tennessee, a Research Associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research, and also serves as a Research Fellow at the Institute of Labor Economics. She served as Chief Domestic Economist at the White House Council of Economic Advisors during the Trump Administration. Which is pretty cool. You can give me some on that. Um, she also is a member of the Federal Workforce Policy Advisory Board that was chaired by Ivanka Trump and Wilbur Ross. And Dr. Wanamaker, it's good to have you here with us. Now, thank you for coming on our show with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate mm, it. Cool. We got a few questions here, so if you can't answer them, you just say, well, I, I refuse to answer those. <laughs> I'll check with my attorneys. No, we're good. <laughs> what are some of the biggest differences you see in the way um, the current administration, the Biden administration, handles our economy compared to the last administration? It's a good question. Um, well, first I'll say there's some things that didn't change. So. I think it's sort of remarkable how much trade policy didn't change that much, tax policy didn't change that much. So there were things that um, folks campaigned on in this election that once they got in office didn't necessarily decide to make any adjustments on. Yeah, I think the you big, see that. You see that a lot. In you politics. see that a lot. They get you in see there. That they, a lot. they they chew yeah. on it and then they think, ah, I'm going to let that one slide for a little while. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, biggest policy difference is probably not legislative. It's probably regulatory. Um, what's coming out of the agencies and offices in the agencies that wouldn't exist in a different administration, for example. Right. I hear that a lot, actually, across the board. Um, what should the U.S. strategy be to restore and strengthen our workforce? We get, and I, when I'm out, my degree was technological and adult education from UT, and I get a lot of talk about workforce development and the lack thereof. Yeah. So I actually think that there are several dynamics that are pushing us towards more industry involvement in worker training. And so for example, um, young people don't move very much anymore. Do they not? Relative to what used to happen. Mm -hmm. So there's actually more security in training your own workers and assuming they're going to be here for a while because they're not going to move across the country. It's just not, it's just not something they do much anymore. It's not adventurous or? They're not adventurous. I think cost of housing has something to do with it. It's hard to move to California. It's really expensive. And yeah. a lot of folks live with their parents for much longer um, than before for that same reason. Yeah. So I think you'll see, I think you'll see businesses decide, you know, I'm not going to wait on public institutions like the one I work for, um, to train people. I'm just going to do it myself. Right. Yeah, Cut out the middleman. I heard a lot of kids when I was growing up, they couldn't wait to get out of here. And then once they got sort of established, they couldn't wait to get back. Yeah. And now they don't, the boomerang doesn't even happen. They just stay. They just stay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I, I, yeah. love my, I love my little girl. I hope she stays around <laughs> town, but um, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, she's defied the odds at this point, so I expect she might just continue to do that. <laughs> How does the federal government red tape and overregulation affect our economy? Uh, well, when we teach, so I taught econ at UT for 14 years. They don't let me teach anymore, but I used to. And we used to teach our students that 
Um, it's just like a tax. Regulation is just like a tax. It eliminates activity in the market that would otherwise have happened, but now doesn't happen because the tax is there or the regulation is there. So it reduces all the components of economic activity you care about. Reduces production, reduces employment, reduces output, reduces the number of services, reduces trade, it reduces everything. And so you have lower output, lower employment, lower incomes. Mm. You know, I was an econ major for about 15 minutes. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. What scared you off? had to make better than a D in your major, apparently. That was some kind of crazy rule they had. <laughs> Whose rule is that? Yeah. They still have it, you know? Yeah. Crazy rule. Anyway, um, which sectors do you think are have been hit the hardest by the big government regulations? Well, um, you, I hear a lot on campus from my colleagues in supply chain management and transportation about transportation regulation. Yeah. And it's there for a reason but there's not a whole lot of flexibility to changing conditions on the ground. So when we had the major uh, trucking tr driver supply chain crises coming out of COVID, we didn't really adjust anything in terms of regulation to try to adapt to the situation we were in. Yeah. So that's a big one. Healthcare, of course, sure. is a big one. Yeah, um, I was, uh, supply chain. That seems like the, it's the buzzword of the good old it's boys. It's the buzzword. You know, it's I, the buzzword. I, I, bought a, I bought a sawmill from the farm because I, I cut my own fences and um, I remember every, every one of them guys was like on the phone, they didn't know who I was and they were like, uh, man, you know that supply chain's all jacked up all over the country. I don't know if I, <laughs> if you know anything about that and I was like, yeah, I've heard a little bit about it. Yeah, I have. So. But even today, if you go to a store, say like, you know, oh, yeah. get buy a pair of shoes in my size and they'll say, Supply chain. Supply chain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We ain't got any, we got no eggs. Supply chain. Supply chain, always. Yeah, yeah. gotta get some night crawlers. It's supply chain. <laughs> um, uh, what was your take on how the government was trying to handle the inflation cr crisis? What do you think they should have done differently? Well, I think we learned a lesson, which is that you spend too much money, you'll get inflation. Yeah. <laughs> I think people... I, I, wish we'd, I, I wish we could still, I mean, you know, it, it seems like it just, they just beat that in our heads, but it just never seems to end. Well, and the other thing is we had come through so many years of inflation that was too low, the Fed has a 2% target. We were under it. So it gave us this false sense of security that, you know, yeah. we, we, can't even, we can't even get inflation when we want it, so let's just keep spending, and then, of course, we overdid it. Yeah, and then it caught up to us. Yeah. Doc, let me ask you, what specifically do you do at the Baker Center? Well, that's a good question. Not you, not just you. But <laughs> I what, answer emails, that's yeah, what I do. Yeah, yeah you know I guarantee you do yeah. that. Yeah, a lot of those. Um, well, today, as of today, we do research, student programs, lots of engagement with the community. Do you have any parking? Well, I do have parking. All it's right. the most important thing I have. Yeah. But as but in July and when when school starts back in August will be a school of public policy all all approvals coming through in order um, and so we'll have master students this fall we'll have undergrads next fall and our mission is to ground those students in the legacy of Howard Baker and prepare them for careers in public service Very and cool. we're really excited about it. We have so many resources at our disposal to do that and so many people who are rooting for us. So I have no doubt we'll be successful. It's pretty cool that a guy came from where he did to get to where he was. I mean, and then he, he uh, ended his career and then came back home and, and still was yeah. part of the community. It wasn't, yeah. you know. 
and establish the center, honestly, with the hopes then that it would be a school of public policy and it didn't happen. And so 20 years later, yeah. this chancellor who doesn't take no for an answer said, we're doing it. That's good. I'm glad to hear it because it was uh, it's kind of a disappointment to me after knowing Senator Baker and, and um, you know, just uh, everything that his whole life. And then um, now I'm glad the university is embracing that. Yeah. He's the perfect. He's the perfect grounding for students, right? Who he was is who they need to be. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we're it, really proud of that. It wasn't really. Um, I mean, you'd see him. I, mean, I can remember seeing him walking down Gay Street with some people, and it wasn't a big entourage or something. Him and Ron McMahon or somebody, and um, that was his chief of staff. And his son was a lobbyist down in Nashville. And of course, being from Knoxville, we all knew everybody. And it was always your school seeing him around. And then I remembered when. Um, he came into town, he was here for something, he was hosting something at the city county building and Miss um, Dole was here, Elizabeth Dole. I think she was running for president at the time, maybe even. And um, and I remember they were sitting there talking and I, and I said, um, and she and I were talking and then Senator Baker walked up and I was just kind of cutting up and I said, oh, Miss Dole, let me introduce you to Howard Baker, his friend. Oh, hey Howard, I don't know if we met or not. And it was so funny. And I mean, we were just cutting up and people were just standing around going, what in the world? You know, I was a young, I was a, a young political operative at the time. So it was, it was, it was. You were, you were a comedian even then. Yeah, said The greatest comedian of the House of Representatives and that the award uh, yeah. I gave you recently. And then Funniest. the next, well, it was written by, um, it was uh, one of the local, one of the political magazines. And then the next week, the same people called me and said, last week we said you were the comedian and this week we're saying you're the only adult in the room because, uh, you know, what went down with, the, the, with the speaker. I said, yeah, I'm pretty right. Well, I said, don't, I don't want that to get out. Now, don't, you are don't, Howard Baker, maybe. No, no, not hardly. No, don't tell Jim Haslam that. <laughs> and, <laughs> Mr. Haslam. And anyway. edit. No, that's fine. No. Big Jim's my buddy. He knows that. We cut up all the time. He, even Senator Baker, we'll tell, he tells me Senator Baker stories all the time. So they were big. He was, they were big buddies. I think he was kind of his mentor in politics, which is kind of cool. I so. think Mr. Haslam's funniest line is sometimes he'll look at me and he'll he's he served as the chair of the board in the Baker Center for twenty years, and he'll look at me and he'll say, "Why am I still carrying Howard Baker's water, Doctor yeah. Wanamaker? <laughs> tell me that." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why are you? <laughs> Because he wants to serve the community. That's what yeah. it. Yeah. And because that's cool. and because Howard Baker meant that much to him and so many other people, well, they're still what willing to do whatever. Sure, he knows what he meant to the community. So I think that's pretty cool. Well, the worst part about this show is I ask the folks if they have to, they get to ask me anything. Dr. Wanamaker, do you have <laughs> anything that you need to ask me? It's all fair, I promise you. And if I don't like it, I just edit this part out anyway. So go ahead. Okay. So how many questions do I get? Many as you want. Okay, I have You're two. the professor. I have two. All right. Maybe two. three. All right. Is it a balloon or a UFO? That's the first question. Well, it's unidentified. So if I don't have my glasses on and a big bird, like we have a family of hawks and, and owls at the farm, and if they fly over and I don't have my glasses on, that's unidentified. That's also. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You have to be, as the good old boys say, you have to be a little more pacific with that question. But um, it is. Um, the first one was Chinese, the second, third, and possibly the fourth were civilian, possibly somebody signed a science experiment, and, and uh, Trudeau saw the, the political impact that it was having on Biden, 
and he said shoot that thing down. So he called Nor. He got a hold of NORAD, and they shot it down, and um, with a sidewinder. And um, but there's a lot of misconceptions out there. I'll just leave it at that. But the uh, as far as a UFO, something uh, that that is possibly from another solar system. They uh, do you honestly think something could travel a thousand light years and then we're going to shoot it down? I just no, ma'am. We caught it. No, it's not going to happen. So I think you could mark that one off. Okay, I got another one. All right, go ahead. Okay, I work for the University of Tennessee. I'm aware of that. A place I love. Um, universities, higher education, under a lot of scrutiny right now. How should we do it differently? I think you should, um, well, your state legislature, you need to um, cut out all the liberal woke stuff that seems to fill, and I realize that's such a small percentage, but I think you, they should start listening to some of the legislators and some of the taxpayers in the state because they're, they're, um, they're mounting up, I would just say. They are getting more and more, and I'm afraid um, every time. And, and, you know, it's public record. I don't think people realize that some of them, I mean, it's incredibly, they're incredibly educated people, but it's public record which primaries they vote in. And when you send somebody down or you're they're schmoozing them in the skybox during a football game, it's, it's all they got to do is get their, their, their child to get on the computer to see which primary they vote in. And um, and so you need to. I, I, I would suggest that they could. They could. You, you can find people that that are that vote conservative occasionally that uh, could work for universities and not just in uh, certain areas. I think you could. You could, uh, as they do with the liberal brush. I think they paint it pretty broad, and they. Um, I would just. That would be my biggest suggestion right off the bat. I could give, I could give you a, a, a list of them if you'd give me enough time, but that, that's sort of where I think I'd go. So more ideological diversity, more political yes, diversity as, as I say, there. Every time somebody tells me they have diversity at the University of Tennessee, I say, how many Republicans do you all have in the sociology department? And, I, and then I'll say, let's celebrate diversity there first. And then, I mean, I just use not picking on the sociology department, but that's, that's an easy target, obviously. But and there's quite a few conservative folks that work at the university, but you've got, you've got quite a few that aren't. A lot of the, the hatred I receive on the internet is, is usually somebody from the university. Um, so, you know, I, but I'm, and I don't know, I mean, you shouldn't censor them by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just saying it, um, you don't get a lot of conservative interaction from the good old University of Tennessee. That you know about the Institute of American Civics, which the state funded at the Baker Center. I'm well Center. aware of that, and that you you checking that box, and I get that, and I get that. But you well, not. I don't say we're we're not checking a box. I think we're doing what Howard Baker wanted us to do. Yes, ma'am. Right. Yes, ma'am. And I'm and I'm glad to see that because for so long, I was I helped get some early funding for the Baker Center. Uh, and it's and, and um, when I was with the legislature, I knew Senator Baker. You know, he called me when I was. Um, I remember when I was elected mayor, and the next day, my assistant said, "A man named Howard Baker called," and I said, "What?" And she said, "Yeah, he called yesterday." And I called and talked to Miss Katzenbaum, you know, his wife, and you know, Senator Katzenbaum, Nancy Katzenbaum, I believe her name. And um, 
and we talked and laughed and I told them that story and they thought that was great. And, um, and she said, wait a minute, I'll get Howard on the phone. And he got on the phone and he and my dad were buddies. So um, I'm glad to see that it is now um, doing what it was originally intended to be. I have two of my staff members who are in Huntsville, Tennessee today. Oh, really? It's freezing. And Don Stansberry is taking them on a tour of the homeland. Um, and I'm going to send them all up there in the next few months because they need to know where he was from and what mattered to I him. I think that's a good idea. I was at an event for um, Senator Thompson at his place, and I was a state senator at the time. And Senator Baker said, Tim, why don't you sit with me? I said, okay. And this lady walked up and said, and I remember Senator Baker, we were eating uh, barbecue, and as you do at political events in East Tennessee, and this white lady walked up and said, Senator Baker, I want to bother. I don't want to bother you. And he looked at me and goes, "But." And she goes, "But." <laughs> and after she walked away and gave us this, you know, whatever it was, dogs barking at night. Can you get somebody to take care of it? He said, "That's the longest word in politics, Tim, is but." And I always remember that. And I, I, my other Howard Baker story. Um, I was a patrol boy. The first time I went to Washington D.C. was 1976. And I remembered um, he pulled right up in front of the Capitol in his Cutlass convertible and got out. And there was, you know, maybe one security guard. And I don't know if there was even a, a, anything to block anybody. And he gets out of that convertible and he asked me my name. I said, Tim Burchett. And he goes, is your, is his, your dad Charlie? And I said, yes. And he said, well, tell Charlie I said hello. And I thought, I mean, I, that was really cool. But it was just classic Howard Baker because he, 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 he knew the people he represented. So that was cool. But... Anyway, oh, I, I guess, that, did, did you have anything else? No. Anything else? I mean, I didn't want to, no. you know. All I'm right. good. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, our episodes are, um, uh, we've been getting a lot more viewing good. Uh, as of late, so I'm sure this one will, will, will be at the top, and I'll probably get a letter from UT uh, wanting to know who, who, who um, you know. <laughs> who authorized this? Yeah, who authorized this thing? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, I'm, I'm Tim Burchett, and I want to thank everybody for another episode of Tennessee Talks. It's been really cool. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate Thanks you being here, me. ma'am. Appreciate right. it. Yes, ma'am. Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following Rep. Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.